G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. With the Victorian state election coming around quickly, on the 26th of November, Christians are working on a number of dimensions, helping to make sense not only of the issues, but also how to make your vote count as a Christian. Our next guest has spent many years serving in Christian and conservative political parties and has made several submissions over the years for electoral reform to the Joint Standing Committee on Electoral Matters to fix what he calls injustices in our electoral system. Peter Newland is back with us today. He wants Christians to understand how our preferential voting system works. He's a retired engineer who's applied his analytical talent to our voting system. Peter, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Peter, we like to keep things simple, but uh, you, t- you keep trying to complicate things. Uh, give us your insights here. If you want to make your vote count, how complicated is it? Well, we hope to be able to vote one above the line because that's easy and everybody would like to do that. And But the trouble is sometimes a vote one above the line does unexpected things. Uh, some uh, group voting tickets, which is what happens when you vote one above the line, Sometimes that goes to a party that, hey, you didn't want it to go to that party. You wanted it, you wanted it to go to another one instead. And sometimes that's misleading and, and actually disguised in the group voting ticket. So people need to understand that hey, uh, they need to check out group voting tickets first before they vote that way. We'll talk about group voting tickets in just a few moments, but... Some will be concerned undoubtedly when you say that our system is highly manipulable or even corruptible. Uh, That sounds like quite a challenge for authorities to overcome. Yes, I understand there's even been an inquiry into it, but it is legal to have what's called preference whispering. And in preference whispering, a preference whisperer uh, works as a consultant for several different parties And although they may have uh, very little in common as far as policies are concerned, they can agree to share their preferences. Now, that may help them get elected, but what it means is that one party is helping to get their opposite party, the one they don't like, elected in another region so that that party will help them get elected in their own region. So that might help people get elected, but hey, it's not good democracy. So preference whisperers are being paid for their advice to arrange party preferences so that each party, each client uh, is more likely to win in their seat. And uh, that's not really uh, taking into account that there's some level of bias there. It's like uh, who's being paid the most money to make the manipulation work? You know, I don't know that it's about how much money is paid, but it's all about, you know, you scratch my back and I'll scratch your back. But uh, I don't think it's ethical to um, 
party that has very different opinions to yours in another region so that you get elected in your region. Eh? It's, it's, not, it's not democratic. It, it's railroading the voters who don't understand what's happening. Uh, it is of concern. Uh, come back to these group voting tickets. Uh, for some listeners, uh, maybe the first time they're even hearing this sort of terminology, uh, what does a group voting ticket do? Uh, when you vote one above the line, you're uh, giving the rights to your preferences to that party. And that party does what it likes with those preferences but it must tell you what it's going to do with those preferences by lodging a group voting ticket with the Victorian Electoral Commission. And the Victorian Electoral Commission publishes those the day before early voting starts. So it doesn't make it easy for voters to check out what a vote one above the line will do. Is this why uh, Christian commentators often will be saying, don't vote above the line, but fill out every box below. Are there risks in doing that too, Peter? Uh, If you vote below the line, there are risks if you don't number most of the boxes. Um, If you number most of the boxes, and you don't even have to number every box, as long as you number the top row, the top row people, because the number two candidates of small parties haven't got a hope of getting elected. It just it just never happens. So as long as you number the top row below the line and the uh, second and third um, candidates of uh, Labor and Liberal and, and perhaps uh, Greens, although you don't doesn't really matter about Greens, as long as you number those, your vote is unlikely to exhaust. The trouble is if you don't number enough boxes, there were cases in 2018 where it boiled down to a, I think it was um, Liberal, uh, not Liberal, Liberal Democrats versus uh, Animal Justice Party of whether they'd get the last seat. And yet something like 25% of the below the line votes had exhausted because people hadn't filled in enough boxes to say that, oh, no, they preferred Liberal rather than um, Animal Justice Party and that sort of thing. So voting below the line has its drawbacks, but it's better if you can't find a good above-the-line vote. So we're looking to, uh, to tell people, hey, these above-the-line votes are OK and these above-the-line votes aren't. You're a part of a group of Christians and you've developed some software uh, analysing these group voting tickets and uh, you're planning to give your findings to the Electoral Commission. Uh, What are you planning to do there? I mean, you've got uh, this software. It's actually exposing some of these anomalies in the system? Yes, it exposes the anomalies. We're not planning give it to the um, uh, Electoral Commission, although they're welcome to uh, being public documents. Uh, They will be able to see them and we have no objection to them seeing them. Um, We would like there to be reform so that the problems that occur in group voting tickets um, just don't occur. It would be far preferable if we're allowed to vote above the line 
and put full preference voting above the line. In other words, it could number all the boxes above the line, whereas we're not allowed to do that. Uh, Not in this upcoming election. Um, So far as what you might do in the meantime, Peter, uh, what you might ask your local candidate about how they're working the group voting tickets, is that something worth pursuing? Uh, Yes, but the trouble is they won't be... The parties themselves don't even have to lodge those until a few days before the early voting starts. And then the Electoral Commission only releases those on Sunday afternoon or evening. They don't even guarantee Sunday afternoon um, when the early voting starts on the Monday morning. So it's not easy. And the other thing is that if a candidate does know and they do have a party which um, has lodged or, or plans to lodge a group voting ticket that's not really reliable, a candidate can say, our preferences go from, for example, Labor, Liberal, Green, if we don't get in. But the fact is that you can write a below-the-line ticket which looks like it does that, but in fact it does not. You can write a group voting ticket that actually says the opposite, and it's, it's rather technical, but it's all because Labor and Liberal are almost guaranteed their first uh, seat. So it's irrelevant what preference number you give their number one candidates. doesn't matter. As long as it's greater than about a preference number of about five or six, they will never, ever see it. They will never see that preference. And that's how group voting tickets can be misleading. You're planning to name and shame some parties' group voting tickets, and no doubt that wouldn't be until after the election. It's not so helpful for it to be after the election, but uh, the way you want to expose some unethical preference whispering in all of that, but it's something, I guess, is a process that needs to work through the system over many years. Yeah, well, we're we're sort of wondering how much we should name and how much we should shame as as to rather just point out the um, that it doesn't look right, and we can do it before the election because um, the whole point of developing this um, software was to make sure it could be done very very quickly. We've got a um, a software uh, genius, I think, who can do what used to take me weeks and weeks to do manually. Uh, I told him what I wanted to do, and he can, he's can. he got software that can do it in minutes. So as soon as we get the group voting tickets from the Victoria Electoral Commission, we will be able to analyse them rapidly within, say, uh, an hour or two. So Monday morning, we hope to have a full analysis showing that you know these group voting tickets are safe these ones are mm, are questionable and so that that will give people guidance as to what votes what vote one above the line votes to avoid and that if they can't find one they like well then we give them guidance as to how to vote below the line safely You say that the software uh, is bias-free. It can work one side or the other. But as a Christian, you've got a certain bias uh, towards uh, a conservatism. Uh, Christians, how they vote in the election. 
but it uh, sounds a little bit like it's not going to be easy for the masses to be able to access this. It really is going to come down to people who are determined uh, to find out some detail about how their vote might actually exhaust. Uh, they're the ones who are going to benefit here. So it's more people who are a little more technically minded uh, rather than the average voter. Uh, yes and no. Uh, for the ones who, who, you know, like me, who want to go into the full detail, yes. Uh, but for the general voter, uh, people like, you know, Liz Blake, uh, political education, who runs, you know, uh, um, YouTube uh, sessions on how to vote in this election, and uh, Joe, Joel Jamal of Turning Point Australia, who um, is planning to use our information to help people. So uh, we've got people who are far less technical than me and who can explain it better, who are, will be using uh, our material to, to help voters. So if you're looking on YouTube and you're looking for Liz Blake or Joel Jamal and Victorian state election, uh, there may be some uh, easily accessible detail there if you're wanting a Christian bias or a Christian view as to how that voting might work in the preferential system when you're voting for the Victorian upper house. Peter Newland, who's been working on this for some time, and I know things are coming together and sort of slowly, but some will be very interested in the science and the IT technology that's going on behind the scenes that's helping to expose some of those anomalies, some of those things that are making our system not quite as trustworthy as we'd like to think. To give a website for listeners to check out some of this technical detail, the website is this tinyurl.com forward slash 2022 Victorian election. That's tinyurl.com forward slash 2022 Victorian election. Peter Newland, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.